Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be finishing up our little holiday jaunt that we started here at the beginning of December and uh, we've got a great movie to end it I think <laughs> well yeah yeah I it's, mean it's, it's a, fun it's a very appropriate movie to end it it's jingle all the way every holiday season there's one toy everyone has to have I want the turbo man action figure with the arms and legs that move and the rocking roar jetpack and the boomerang shooter getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare. I'll get that toy. I promise. Whoa! Nothing like waiting till the last minute, I would say. Especially on Christmas Eve. <laughs> now, I don't... I want to say I saw this in the theater. I know I saw in the theater. I'm pretty sure I did. This movie came out in 1996, and it was an American Christmas comedy film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and the comedian Sinbad. Uh, I don't really like saying that, you know, I don't like people that just have one name. I know he has an actual name, but like their stage name is just one name, like Madonna, Sinbad, Cher, Pink, Prince, Prince. Although Prince is actually his first name, the same with Madonna. Well, so. whatever. whatever. Yeah. Close enough. So, Jingle All the Way is a, a movie that came out November 16th, actually, at the Mall of America, 1996, and then later, oh. November 22nd in 1996, in the rest of the theaters. And uh, that was, I think it came out Mall of America because the Mall of America just... It's, hev- of- it's, all, it's heavily featured in the movie. Yeah, the that's the setting, the location for for this movie is is that. And the Mall of America was only a couple years old when the movie was made. It it opened in 1992, and it's the largest mall in the United States in terms of total floor area, and it's the 12th largest in the world now. But I think at the time that they made it, it was the world's largest mall. Yeah. And so the movie came out in 1996, and it's an American Christmas comedy film. And it's the story of two rival dads both competing to get the last Turbo Man action figure for their kids on Christmas Eve. Both the both of them, for whatever reason, waited to the last minute to try and get the toy. And so now they're competing and fighting, and it it gets they have madcap capers and all this other stuff. I, I find uh, I find Sinbad's character's reason to be far more believable, or at least I guess far more sympathetic than Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Arnold Schwarzenegger's character of uh, Howard. He just forgot. He's a workaholic who and just, forgot. Yeah. And as someone who uh, spent many a, many a Christmas season working for a delivery company, the idea that a... Uh, well, Simba, in the movie, Simbad yeah, works for the, for the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. So the idea of someone working for a delivery company like the USPS is it's totally believable that he would not have had time to go and Christmas shop for yeah. his kid. During the holidays uh, and the, the months or two leading up to it. Yeah, he sure. mentions that. as He's like, ah, yeah. when, when the hell am I going to have time to, to do a Christmas movie or to get bleh, whatever? So the film had a runtime of 89 minutes, a budget of $75 million, and a box office take of $129.8 million. So it was a success. It was a success. And the film was inspired by real-life 
sort of toy crazes like Furbies, Cabbage Patch Dolls, uh, Tamagotchis, Power Rangers, that kind of thing. So what do you remember about this movie? Well, I do remember seeing it in the theater. And I remember liking the movie when it came out. I remember thinking that Arnold Schwarzenegger as a regular dad itself was the idea was crazy. And I remember as a kid thinking, why don't they recognize Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed up as Turbo Man? (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah, we're going to get into that because it's a kind of a major complaint, but whatever. And I remember as a kid liking the Sinbad stuff and thinking he was hilarious and I love the movie. And, and I remember that for a couple of years after the movie came out, it was sort of like part of our regular holiday film, the holiday watching thing. And that after that, it sort of just dissipated into uh, not really part of our rotation anymore. And, and, and I remember liking it. But it, I don't think I've sat down and watched Jingle All the Way in uh, probably 15 years, 20 years, something like 15 years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I want to say I saw it in the theater as well. I mean, this came out when we were like 14, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, 13, I 14, guess. 14, yeah. I think. So the, it was very, I'm, I'm almost positive I saw it in the theater, but I liked it too. Uh, I thought it was a funny movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I like the idea of dressing up as a superhero for lots of reasons uh and because we're big dorks that's yeah, why yeah. big big dorks and uh, but <laughs> i never really liked sinbad all that much and that sort of carried over maybe it tainted my uh, my viewing this time but i actually probably hadn't seen it all the way through in about the same amount of time 15 or so years because every once in a while you catch like part of it on tv yeah. And I don't have regular TV anymore, and I haven't for a while. So. Yeah, I don't either. So the, the chances of me randomly bumping into Jingle All the Way going through the, the channels is very minimal now. Yeah, because so, you and I don't have cable anymore. Yeah, and I'm, I probably wouldn't have sat down and actually like put it on to watch it. But it, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting movie. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how it got made. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about how it got made. There's two people. There's, there's two writers this movie randy cornfield and actually the producer chris columbus who rewrote the script adding in uh some of the satire elements about the commercialization of christmas so the first the first guy the the first writer that i named randy cornfield randy cornfield he wrote the original screenplay after witnessing his in-laws go to a santa monica toy store at dawn in order to get his son a a power ranger And while admitting to missing the sort of Cabbage Patch and Power Ranger craze, the producer, Chris Columbus, experienced in 1995 an attempt at trying to get a Buzz Lightyear action figure for the Toy Story film, Mm -hmm. which apparently that was like a big... And I remember that now. It's sort of kind of vaguely coming back. That was a big toy... Uh, right. In the '90s too, I'm pretty sure my brother had one of those. It was the one of those. Light, they're fully the, articulated yeah, with the laser and, and, and all it that had stuff. like the yeah. speech thing and the three buttons and the wings popped out. Yeah. So because of his experience, he rewrote the Cornfield script, which was accepted by 20th Century Fox. And Columbus was always sort of quote attracted to the dark side of the happiest holiday of the year. So he wrote these uh, satirical elements in there on purpose. Bryant Levant was hired to direct the film. And Columbus said that Levant understood the humor and the material and was very animated and excited, and he had a vision of what he wanted to do. Levant said 
The story that was important to me was between the father and son. It's a story about love and a father's journey to delivery in the form of a Turbo Man doll. The fact that I got to design a toy line and do the commercials and make pajamas and comic books was fun for me as a filmmaker, but at its root, the movie's about something really sweet. It's about love and building a better family. I think that's consistent with everything I've done. So, just quickly to name what he's done... Brian Levant started his career writing for the Jeffersons, but he also wrote for Mork and Mindy and Happy Days and some other stuff. He directed the movie Beethoven, the live-action Flintstones movie, and its sequel. Problem <laughs> Child 2, Snow Dogs, and I named that one because that movie is awful. And he's written some <laughs> other stuff. But, I mean, he sort of writes those family-friendly uh, sort of movies. And if you think about the plot of, like, Beethoven and the Flintstones, and Problem Child, the Problem Child movies, they're kind of about a father and a, their poor relationship with their family. Yeah. And that's sort of getting fixed through either a St. Bernard or in the stone age or whatever. So it's kind makes, of consistent with what he's Makes what me he's wonder done. what uh, Brian Levant's uh, upbringing was like. Yeah. You know, that kind of makes you wonder about those sort of things. If that's the, if that's the type of, uh, if that's the type of art that you're, that you're drawn to creating, you're obviously pulling it from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. The production company for this movie was 20th Century Fox, and we've talked about them a bunch of times. They've done all kinds of stuff. Uh, but uh, let's let's get into the music. Yeah. So the music was uh, done by David Newman, who did movies, who did soundtracks on movies like Death to Smoochie, uh, Matilda, The Flintstones, Hoffa, Nutty Professor... Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, he also was nominated for an Oscar in for the work that he did on the movie Anastasia, which is in our request list. Yes. I know for a fact it's been requested by my wife several times because that like movie, your wife's favorite movie, it kind of is. We, my daughter and her, watch that movie all the time. Yeah, it's a good movie, but I'm sick of it now. Once I have to t- upon I have... a December. That's right. Maybe <laughs> we'll save it for next December. Maybe. No. Yeah. This, uh, the soundtrack included music by Nat King Cole, Lou Rawls, Chuck Berry, Johnny Mathis, and uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra, which makes sense because a lot most of those guys have done Christmas songs. This movie takes place over yeah. Christmas. So throughout the movie, you have a lot of like more traditional and more modern Christmas yeah. songs that are playing throughout the throughout the movie. I like the the Brian Setzer Orchestra being included in this because it's sort of a timepiece of the 1990s, the oh, mid-90s. Yeah. Because as soon as they started playing at those end credits, I was like, oh man, that's right. The Brian Setzer Orchestra used to be a thing. Yeah. They, the, I, that was when uh, when all swing that swing dancing, dancing was back. coming back for a while. Yeah, back back when we were back when we were like high school. Right about in high school. Uh, anybody who is from the Southern California area that spent any time at Disneyland Disneyland. Yeah, Carnation the, Hall, which is gone now. But. Yeah, the Carnation Hall, which was off to the left of the Disneyland or of the, the of Main Street. Yeah, the the Cinderella Castle. It was off to the left of it. They would have swing yeah. dancing uh, demonstrations, and I think even classes sometimes, or like they would show people it was how meetups. to do it. Yeah, people would meet up there, and there'd be a big band playing, and people would swing and. And before that, before the big band thing, it was just a place for people to dance. Yeah, they would just play popular music, and people would dance. My, I believe my uncle and uh aunt met there back in the 70s crazy yeah so the the cast let's get into the cast we have arnold schwarzenegger who plays howard langston langston is a mattress store owner who tells everyone that they're his number one customer you're my number one customer you're my number one customer so much so that there's a super cut of it in the movie hello mr jacobs oh yes we've been busy but you know i like that i'm gonna make it I hear you. 
Yes, so what can I do for you? 200 king size per next Friday, no problem whatsoever, but only for you, Mr. Jacobs, because you are number one customer. Andrea, hi. Well, if you think the fabric is too dark, then we just recover it and no extra charge. Well, what do you expect? You're my number one customer. But don't you forget, you're my number one customer. You're my number one customer. Liz, hi, honey. How are you? Howard, where are you? I know, Jamie's karate class. Don't worry. I'll meet you there, I promise. And don't forget, you're my number one customer. Liz! I, uh, look, I didn't mean that. I... Liz? I, so, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I, I don't know. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's not known for being the world's greatest actor. Here's the thing that, that gets me about almost every non- action movie even the action movies here's the thing arnold schwarzenegger and he was a governator so we know probably more about him than we should here in california but arnold schwarzenegger is a guy who came over from austria he was a weightlifter in austria and uh, really took powerlifting and weightlifting. yeah he was mr bodybuilding. universe he, and he made it mr become, olympia seven times yeah so he brought that he brought that sort of that world into the mainstream with with yeah. his movies and whatnot well and he brought that he's sort of the reason why we had that action hero physique because before yeah. that it was like john wayne and you know that that sucked in gut of the 1950s and 60s and then as soon as schwarzenegger came over and started doing movies then you like, get like dolph lundgren yeah and so you, you get uh, sylvester stallone exactly so you had conan in 82 which was like his big break i mean he was in that uh that Hercules movie before Hercules oh in New York. Hercules, Hercules goes where he wishes. That movie, he barely <laughs> spoke any English. He's awful. That movie is so bad. Yeah. But because of that, if you think about it, because of Conan in 82, and then you had like Terminator and Commando and uh, Terminator 2 and uh, Twins, Total Recall, Predator. Run! Go! And and so you have this like big push for these action hero physiques. He's the reason that we have Captain America and Thor looking the way that they do. Yeah. Because they would have just been regular dudes in suits otherwise, yeah. you know? Here's the thing about, about Schwarzenegger in, in pretty much every movie he's ever been in. He came over here in like the late 60s. And he's been living in in like... He's been living in the United States at least for 40 years. Anybody who knows anyone from another country, and I've known plenty of people from other a countries. Lot. Well, here, I mean, Southern California, we we are a state of transplants. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for, I mean, I mean, I think more of my friends than not have either they are from or their families are from another country. So if you've been here for, if you've been anywhere for 40 years, your accent starts to go away a little bit. And Schwarzenegger has purposely taken like voice lessons and accent lessons to keep his accent because uh -huh. he wants to keep that accent. It's sort of his, it's his signature, his signature. Yeah. The, uh, so the, the problem that I have with it is he's constant. He's constantly in these movies where he's supposed to be this guy. Like, like in this movie, he's, he's or like kindergarten cop. He's supposed to be a beat cop. Like yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, and he, he's in this movie and he's, he's a mattress store owner from 
Minneapolis. From the Twin Cities. Yeah, yeah. from Minneapolis, St. Paul. And he's sounding like he just got here yesterday. And he's been here long enough to have a wife and a and kid. And a 10-year-old son. And then you have all those other movies like in Commando or Predator where, you know, he's this, this military special forces. With the, from, with the U.S. military. Yeah, with the U.S. military. But he's... he's we need to go and get like come on like it's kind of, yeah it's sort it's of ridiculous, ridiculous to hear him talk especially when you talked about it earlier when he's dressed up as turbo man and they don't know that it's him and he's still talking in his normal voice albeit it's like amplified it's a sort of like weird synth version but he still sounds exactly like arnold schwarzenegger looks exactly like himself there's nothing covering his face he's got a clear visor how don't they recognize him yeah. i don't know but he was paid $20 million for this movie. That is crazy. That's crazy. So, I mean, if you think about it, $20 million is what he was paid. The cost of the movie was seventy-five. So he was so almost he a third of up. the budget. I mean, that's good. That's insane. I wonder what everyone else got paid then. Not not what he got paid. Maybe they got some like uh, residuals, profits They or must something. have. He, so when they made this movie, though, he he was cast sort of on the quick. And, and they started filming this movie in April of 96, and he became available just pretty shortly beforehand in February, because originally I think he was going to be in the Planet of the Apes remake that Fox was working on, and then it got held up again, so it fell through, which he kind of dodged a bullet there. Yeah. And then... Mark, and then, Mark ate that one. Yeah, ended up getting Frida for this movie. So, um, he actually really liked making this movie. And I can imagine that this movie was a lot of fun to make. Yeah, as as the like principal actor. Yeah, I would I would think so too. He said that he was attracted to playing quote an ordinary character or family man because if you think about it, he's always this action hero and there's explosions and this. Yeah, is even like, even when he's not in a particularly action oriented, movie. still they still put action because yeah. it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Think about twins. There's fight scenes or this. There's rockets. I mean, they still put in a fight scene in the middle of the movie with a bunch of Santa Claus. Yeah. So the next character is played by Sinbad. It's character Myron Larrabee. Who uh, Sinbad is a comedian that probably most of you are familiar with, but his real name is David Atkins, and he started as a stand-up and eventually moved on to a different world, which I know is your favorite show. Not my favorite, but it is a show that I love. Uh, he was the coach on on an, on a different world. Yeah, I can't ever remember the coach's name, but he eventually got his own show called The Sinbad Show that had uh, that starred a young Selma Hayek, super hot. She's still hot, and she's fifty something. I don't care; she'll be hot forever. Yeah. This he, is... he and Phil Hartman also co-starred in the movie House Guest together before this. Yeah. That would, that's, uh, I, I know that House Guest is a movie. My brother told me, he's like, you got to do House Guest. It was like, <laughs> we don't do live action, but now we do. Yeah. So uh, maybe we put that in the rotation. House Guest is not a good movie. Maybe. And people also think that he was in the in a movie called Shazam, where he apparently was a genie, but this movie never existed. It's part of the sort of... Mandala effect. Uh, yeah, the, the Mandela effect. Mandela effect. effect. And and it's it's yeah I I've it's seen, based on the based on the movie Shaz or Kazam with, with Shaq yeah and I think people just I think no I have the box I had it when I was like a kid it's like no you got it wrong Simbad and Shaq don't look the same they okay? don't like at all Simbad by the way uh, was in the Air Force oh yeah and he uh, apparently got into lots of trouble in the Air Force he almost had a dishonorable discharge. Because he would just break rules and go come back after curfew and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Did he dishonorably discharge into a senior officer? 
Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> this was the. Uh, it was a different time back then. It was, it was that would have been Ronald Reagan's military. I was right? going to say it was the hot and heavy eighties. Yeah. So the next one is Phil Hartman, who plays their their creepy neighbor Ted Moulton. He's best known for SNL. He also co-wrote the screenplay for Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and used to star in his own sitcom called News Radio. And I think I've talked about him before. I love the show News Radio. Mm-hmm. It's so smart, and it had such a good cast. Who'd they um, get to replace him after he died? Was it John Lovitz? No, no, they, oh gosh, I can't remember, but you know, when he died, I didn't watch the show for that much longer anyways. They got somebody else to try and replace him, but it didn't end up working out. So the, his time as Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure from the Simpsons is also arguably, uh, you know, one of one or some of his most memorable roles. Yeah. Sadly, he was killed in 98 by his estranged wife and the world is a worse place with, with yeah. Phil Hartman not in it. I think his so, wife, his wife shot him, right? Yeah, she killed... It was a murder-suicide. It was pretty sad. Uh, The next person is Rita Wilson, who is Liz, or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in the movie. She's a famous actress who's been in movies like Runaway Bride, Sleepless in Seattle, and That Thing You Do. And she also has a very famous husband named Tom Hanks. I don't know if anybody heard of that guy or not. (laughs) Oh, Tom Shank. India's answer to Brian Dennehy. (laughs) In the movie, uh, Ted, Phil Hartman's character... Has uh, he is a he's got the game man he is a he is a recently divorced I want to say recently divorced like father of one who apparently makes a shit ton of money and he is just scheming on every chick in the neighborhood every, and they're on it too oh they're yeah all about oh it. yeah at one point at one point uh, the the uh, a couple of a couple of uh, women come over to him and they're like oh Ted thank you so much for helping me with my sink. Well, thank you so much. For... Thank you so much for fixing the plumbing under yeah. my sink. And they always and they always give him these like, sort of bedroom eyes when he says it. Like Ted, I was wondering if you'd mind taking a look at my porch light. And it just doesn't seem to be working. And uh, you being such a handyman. Sure, I've got just the tool for the job. You know, like. Helping with the sink meant like slamming slamming it through the back door. He was plunging her depths. Yeah. But I bring that up because in the movie, a uh, sort of subplot, sub story is Ted is scheming hard on Liz, which is is, uh, Howard's wife, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's wife. And he wants her badly. And he's doing everything nice for them, for their family, because... Like and it's you, always creepy, and you can tell she's sort of creeped out by it, and Howard's creeped out by it. Like, they both know that he's a, a creepy dude. But she she hasn't, like, called him out on it. She's just because like, Because he okay. seems so nice. He plays, like, the... Essentially, he's trying to, like... He's trying to... It almost is like he's created a friend zone, and he's trying to use that to manipulate his way into her pants. Yeah. And, and so he does all these things like, oh, I just wanted to put the lights on your house since you didn't have any time. Oh, I just wanted to come help bake the cookies. Why don't you go upstairs and take a shower and I'll do this for you. And he does everything super creepy, really long, awkward hugs. I mean, he's he's there's, very, very uh, there's a scene, creepy in this. And he's brilliant, too. Yeah. I love it. There's a scene where, he, where Howard calls, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, calls the house on a payphone because this is 1996. He calls the house to talk to his wife and Ted picks up the phone because he's just sent her up to the shower and he's helping make the cookies. And so he answers the phone and, and Howard's like, Ted, what are you doing in my house? He's like, oh, I was just, you know, I was helping out your wife. And then he's like, oh, God. He's like, what the hell? What are you doing? He's like, 
It's your wife's cookies. They're so good. Merry Christmas, Langston residents. Hi, I... Ted? Howard! Hey, buddy! How's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Ted, I need to speak to Liz. Uh, could you get... Mm. Oh! Howard, excuse me, but your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a... Who told you you can eat my cookies? I'm just helping Liz out a little in the kitchen. She's making up a storm here. Ted, I need to speak to my wife. So could you get her on the phone, please? I think she's in the shower, Howard. Do you want me to go check? No! And he's just, he's like, he's having an orgasm over these cookies. And and, and you know that he's essentially trying to rile up. Yeah. He's, he's totally, trying to, to, to wind Howard up and make him sort of think about the fact that she... He's eaten more than just the cook his wife's cookies. Yeah, and you know <laughs> that, that brings up one of the funnier lines that I <laughs> that I uh, I thought was in the movie. Mm. Oh, these cookies! I gotta get the recipe from Les. Put that cookie down now. Schwarzenegger's like, just put those cookies down. Put them down. They're not your cookies. Stop eating my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that part of the movie is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like it, re it reminded me of this scene from Total Recall where he's like, "Come on, give this people air." It's like, "This my cookies. Put down them cookies." <laughs> That's so stupid. Yeah. So the the next character is Jamie Langston, and it's played by Jake Lloyd. Who oh, I got a lot to say about this. I kid. know you do. So Jake Lloyd is uh, was a child actor back in the '90s, and a couple years later, he was young Anakin in Star Wars Episode One. Uh, that was in 1999. So post Star Wars, he actually quit acting, and in 2015, he had a reckless driving, and he was then diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he's uh, since moved back to California. He uh, he's essentially off the grid. And uh, some of the stuff I was reading is that he was, like, given so much shit for oh, yeah. his time as Anakin. And essentially strangers. I mean, it was like anywhere he went, people would be like, thanks for ruining Star Wars. And, and it essentially drove him crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it truly drove him crazy, but but I could see how, if it did, I could see how it happened. Yeah, I, I was reading an interview uh, back... Back around the time that that movie came out, the the Star Wars Phantom Menace, a little bit afterwards, it was an interview with Mark Hamill, and Mark Hamill was actually super pissed about how the, how Jake Lloyd was being treated by everybody. He's like, "Come on, this guy's a kid." Like at the time, he was like he was like nine or ten when he did that movie, and people yeah. people were going around. Yeah, he was not because he was born in eighty nine, and that movie came out in ninety nine, so he was like nine or ten. Yeah, when, depending on what time they actually started. But yeah, he said that people would just come up to him on the street and scream at him for, for uh, you know, a ten-year-old screaming at a ten-year-old for yeah, what I he mean, did for what he did in a movie. And he and and go uh, ahead and scream at George Lucas, sure, because well, Episode One is not good. Well, that's what that's but, that's what Mark Hamill said. He's like that kid did everything that George asked him to do, and people are screaming at him for doing exactly what he was told. So scream at George Lucas. Yeah, right. And it it did it. I mean, it's. Here's the thing, though. I can say all that, and I can also say that Jake Lloyd was a terrible child actor. He was awful. He was not much, and there's probably reason for that. He's not good in this movie either. I feel like the two roles, even though the movies were three years apart, that he played like almost the same character. He was a whiny, 
like one dimensional kid. Yeah, who who you just by the end of the movie you wanted to smack him because he was so obnoxious. Hello. Jamie, how are you doing, old buddy? Hi, Dad. I knew you'd call. Hey, listen. Let me talk to your mother. You can't. Why not? She's next door, petting Ted. She's what? Listen, Dad. Are you on your way? The parade's gonna start soon. Jamie, get your mother, please. Well, are you? Am I what? Coming home soon. Yes, immediately. Now, please get your mother. Cuz, Dad, before you left, you promised that you're gonna be at the parade. You haven't been here all day, so you can't miss it. Jamie, please. Cuz, Dad, when someone makes a promise, they definitely should keep it. You know, it's like what Turbo Man says. Always keep your promises if you want to keep your friends. And the way he read his lines was the same. It was it yeah. was a lot of shouting, shouting lines instead of like having actual emotion or or inflection. Yeah. And granted, it's a it's a kid actor, it's a child actor, right? And I and you but know, there are some amazing child actors out there, right? Well, think about Haley Joel Osment when he was a kid. He was a phenomenal child. Yeah, actor. around the same age, like around. 10, 11 years old. Yeah, I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar. You know, I, the thing is. It's messed up how much of a hard time people gave Jake Lloyd for Star Wars. He, correct, he was not a good actor anyways. Mm-mm. But, you know, don't be a dick to a little kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, our opinions about his, like, shitty performance in Jingle All the Way. I mean, we're just two random dudes from Southern California. I'm not going to go up to Jake Lloyd and be like, you ruined Jingle All the Way, you bastard. No, because, well, one, it's a fun movie, and he was innocuous. In yes. This. Thankfully, but he wasn't in much of the movie. That, that's the thing. Like, he wasn't in much of it. He was there to help propel Howard. The yeah. movie was about Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, you know, I, I just... I don't feel okay about the way he was treated oh, no, about no. Star Wars. So let, let's, let's, do you, you want to move on? Yeah. Yeah. He, like you said, he does drive sort of the plot of the movie. And one of the things that I noticed, and I, I can tell that this is me just being older now than I was the first time I watched it. And then also it being 2017 when we're recording this and, and uh, just the way that life is now. There, there's a there's a scene where where uh, Jamie essentially Jamie and Howard are having a conversation and on the phone and Jamie essentially yells and screams at at his Howard dad. at his dad because the dad is he's been breaking promises he didn't go to the karate to be thing fair I could understand why he yelled at his dad because, no I do too and but, the thing is is you know because the whole thing is is Howard is is a hardworking guy with a successful business with a kid who has a very nice upper middle class upbringing. They're driving a fully loaded suburban and you know, they've got, they've got some money and they're, he's being well taken care of in a room full of toys and two parents who love him and are together. He's, he's got a good life. Mm -hmm. This kid in the film has a good life and his character is granted upset with his dad because his dad doesn't show up to his karate things. He doesn't go to Christmas parades with him. He doesn't want go to anything that involves this kid's life. The dad isn't there for that. And I get that that sucks. Sometimes kids don't understand what parents have to do in order for those kids to get to experience those things. Yeah. Uh, which is something that, you know, we probably think about as adults. But I will say my dad worked the craziest. My dad was like one of the hardest working people I'd ever known. And he worked 
a full-time job working 60 plus hours a week at one job, then would get off of work and did janitorial work throughout the week and on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And he never missed a soccer game for all, all of us kids, the three of us and my three cousins. He never missed a musical performance. He never missed anything, a wrestling uh, meet, nothing. He missed nothing. And it's possible, but it just has to do with priorities. So I get why the kid was mad at his dad. But maybe don't scream at him and hang up on him when he's on a payphone. Yeah, I mean, but, but, yeah, it was it was me watching. Like, oh, you little shit. Yeah, you live in a giant house in a nice suburb of of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you have a nice life where your mom is like a stay at home mom, and your dad provides everything for you. And that's why I thought, like, man, I'm getting old because I'm I'm more uh, I'm more relating, I'm sympathizing, with I'm the sympathizing parents. with the parents. It's like when you watch when you watch Disney movies nowadays, and you're. Like the parents that are holding the kids back, like you can't marry him, you can't do this. Like, as a parent or as like an older person now, you're like, yeah, no, you can't. What are you doing? Are you yo, an idiot? Are you an idiot? It's like, where's his but, retirement plan? But <laughs> mom, dad, true love, no, 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 true love. That's no, go stupid. marry the orthodontist. Yeah, <laughs> he may be boring, but he's safe. Yeah. So the next character is the police officer, uh, who we don't really get a name for, but his name is Officer Hummel. And he's played by a guy named Robert Conrad, who was Agent West from the original Wild Wild West TV series. And he's been in a bunch of other TV shows. Uh, I didn't recognize him from anything myself, but he's this sort of thorn in Howard's side at every turn. Yeah, he, he keeps provide, running into him. He, I think his character provides a sort of catalyst for some of the confrontations that, that cause Howard to then have to do other things. Or he creates a... A sort of a, a funny sort of situ like Looney Tunes situation. At one point, a package blows up in the cop's hands, and it's just like a Looney Tunes explosion. Like, yeah, yeah, like Wiley Coyote was holding a one of those circle bombs. Yeah. Now, in the first interaction when he pulls Howard over, uh, to be fair, Howard Howard was, was doing something stupid, really stupid. He's driving on the side. Uh, he's driving on the on the service lane on the side of the highway uh -huh. to avoid traffic. And to get to his kids to get karate. to his kids karate thing that he's he should have left for like an hour before and so he's running late and the cop pulls him over and arnold's trying to be really nice he's like hey i'm really sorry you know like i'm running late and the cop actually is kind of a dick to him like I, that interaction the other interactions i get giving howard shit for mm -hmm. but that first interaction I feel like they made it that way to establish that he's a dick of a cop. License and registration, please. Look, sir, I'm in kind of a hurry. I'm really late for my son's karate class. Oh, I do apologize if I've caused you some sort of a delay. How thoughtless of me. Because the last thing that I want on my conscience right now is for a private citizen to somehow be disappointed in the performance of my duty. I was not criticizing you, officer. It's just that... Step out of the vehicle. Yeah. But it just didn't seem like the kind of interaction that I would expect for just getting pulled over. Well, to be fair, he was being pulled over for doing, one, an illegal thing, and two, an asshole maneuver, too. Yeah, that is an asshole maneuver. And I know that I know that when uh, when people do things like that that are just blatantly asshole maneuvers, that cops are like, you fucking prick. It's like, they, not they only did you wanna, break the law, yeah, but... Like, you were a dick about it, too, so yeah. they want to just get them more. But I feel like that interaction was set up... It, it was almost like they exaggerated his personality so that it would be... It, 
not unexpected in future encounters Mm -hmm. so that that police officer would always seem like, oh, we need to be worried about him. Yeah. Although, I mean, I sympathize with him being pissed off at at Howard because, I mean, dick move. Yeah. When I see somebody do that, if I can, I I pull over into the median. (laughs) I'm that guy. Yeah. I'll pull over into the median and then I'll slowly creep... Uh, like with my tires sort of over the line so, so that, that they, they can't, can't get by. So that they can't get by just enough so that they can't do it. Yeah, I'm that guy. That's good times. I'm that guy. The next character is uh, played by Martin Mull. It's a DJ that we don't really get a name for. No, they, they just call him Mr. Ponytail Man in the in the, uh, the, credits. the credits. He's Colonel Mustard in the movie Clue, and he's had roles on Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Roseanne and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he's his... actually a, a fairly famous musician also. Huh. Yeah, he plays, uh, I think it's bluegrass country music, but he's he's a fairly accomplished musician, too. Yeah, his character in the movie plays a DJ that is having a contest for a, uh, a Turbo Man doll, which is what all the people are trying to get as a toy. And he wants to know the, he wants to know the names of Santa's reindeer. And... They uh, they have a throughout the movie there are there are times when it looks like Howard is gonna get a doll he's gonna get a Turbo Man doll and then Myron comes along and ruins it somehow he he does something to Howard that causes his opportunity to either pass him by or someone else gets it or something so Howard's calling into the radio station because he knows the answer. And then Myron grows and grabs the phone because it's a payphone, and he rips the he rips the phone out of the out of the booth, so effectively destroys the phone. And they're running down afterwards. They're running down to the, the to the uh, radio station to to give the answer because it's only like a block or two away. And this was one of the this was one of the scenes that you really liked because he's running down the road. It's my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger quote because it's. Okay, everybody always, when they quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, they always do this thing. They always do that. It's like to let people know that you're doing a shitty Arnold uh, Arnold impersonation. But he actually does it. If you listen closely, the first time he recites the reindeer's names in the diner, he says it very quietly. And then they're in the street and he says it again. And then he says it a couple times because he's chanting it to remind himself of it. So as he's going there the first one is dasha dancer pranks a vixen comet cooper donna blitz and and he does that last one at the <laughs> end and it makes me laugh every single time dasha dancer pranks a vixen comet cooper donna blitz even as a little kid it made me laugh and i i don't know why but it's it's the dumbest quote of his but it's my favorite one I, I don't I don't know well it turns out that he doesn't have the dj doesn't have a turbo man doll and he has a coupon for a free Turbo Man doll redeemable at a later date, which doesn't do him any doesn't good. Doesn't do anybody any good. Maul, by the way, I was wrong. So Maul was a, uh, he was a songwriter and he actually did a lot of uh, comedy and satirical uh, music is actually what he did. He's the one, if you've ever heard, there is a famous remark uh, by Elvis Costello and Gary Sparaza that is attributed to Martin Mull, and it's writing about music is like dancing about architecture. <laughs> Which I, I, I really like that remark, but but he's sort of the guy that that's about. But yeah, no, he's done all kinds of stuff. The, um, the last big character that we should probably talk about was uh, Jim Belushi playing a Mall of America Santa. 
And in the Jim is the brother of John Belushi, the the, the greater John Belushi. Yeah. Um, he uh, had a sitcom called According to Jim for like nine years. Yeah. He's and he's had a bunch of stuff. He's done video. He does a lot of video game voiceovers. There is a bunch of cool SNL like bit characters though. I mean Lorraine Newman, yeah. the original SNL cast member. She uh, she plays this woman. She's like some random lady in a mall. Harvey Corman, who was from the Star Wars Holiday Special as yeah. Chef Gorgmond, uh, is the president. And uh, and this is all what what happens is you have a in the beginning of the movie you have the kid you have Jamie watching watching a an Turbo episode Man, of Turbo Man yeah a Turbo Man TV show and in the show these characters. Like Lorraine Newman is the first lady. And Harvey Corman, they're both is, uh, the president and first lady. And yeah. that's in the show within the show. Yeah, it's a sort of like a deep shit. Yeah. Richard Mull, the uh, the guy who's known as Bull from Night Court, plays the the villain in that short little skit. He gets like th- all of five seconds of FaceTime. We have mentioned him before because he's the voice of Harvey Dent uh, slash Two-Face from Batman the Animated Series. And Norman from Mighty Max. There's there's some other people in here. Um, I, I did just want to mention that Chris Parnell is also in here as a Toy Story clerk. And he's really funny in the like five seconds that he gets. He's a former SNL cast member from 98 to 06. He's Dr. Leo Spaceman from 30 Rock. And I love Dr. Leo Spaceman. He's currently the voice of Jerry on Rick and Morty also. He's also the voice of, um, what's his name, from Archer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he is. Cyril. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of Cyril from Archer. And I, I read that this was his first, like, major motion picture movie. That his he first was in. role, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his character, so he's a toy store clerk, and, and Howard goes around a bunch of toy stores the day before Christmas and tries to find the Turbo Man doll. And I felt like a little bit of this was... Chris Parnell just full of laughs at him. Well, that's what I was going to say, that I felt like this was a little bit of, like, retail just sort of catharsis, because... When you're in retail, you can't really look at someone and go, are you fucking serious? You're here for what? On what day? Are you a fucking idiot? Because that's what everyone's thinking. You know, it's a hot toy and you're coming yeah, the day the before. Yeah, it's the hot thing and you're going to come in the day before when you know everybody is out of it. You're yeah. going to show up to some random store and be like, oh, do you have it? But no, in reality, the... the uh, and they also get crapped on all the time by people all day long during yeah. the holidays. It's bad. Be nice to retail people. But I was going to okay? say, in reality, the retail service clerk service person salesperson whatever is going to sit there and go no sir or ma'am i'm sorry we're sold out there's nothing i can do and they're just going to smile gritting their teeth as they smile but in this but in their head they're laughing at you like you're an idiot and in this movie that's what happens there's a whole there's a whole like scene there's a whole uh montage of him going to all these different stores yeah and and it's just people laughing and pointing and like tapping other people on the shoulder and telling him what Howard just asked for yeah and then them turning and laughing at him and I felt like that was just like somebody somebody had obviously worked retail that was involved in the scripting oh of that, yeah they but they're just like have. what what like pfft, no. are you serious no 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 I, yeah I thought that was awesome also they there's a character in this called booster he's this pink uh, sort of animal like a sidekick of Turbo Man that nobody wants nobody likes there's toys of him everywhere and nobody wants them and at the big parade there's a guy dressed up as Booster and it's played by Curtis Armstrong who's Booger from Revenge of the Nerds as well as Metatron from Supernatural he's actually a, uh, a big nerd too if, if you don't know Curtis Armstrong's a, he's a big nerd and supposed to be a pretty cool guy actually he also plays Snot in American Dad 
Does he really? Yeah. Oh, that's it's, awesome. It's funny because yeah, because Booger. I mean, that's not. a play on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you want to get into the movie a little bit? We can. Well, I mean, we can give a brief overview because here's here's what the movie is about. It's Howard's workaholic. We talked about that. He was given one thing to do for his son was to get a get a uh, a Turbo Man doll, which he of course forgets. And then he, the whole rest of the movie is him trying to find a Turbo Man doll, and failing. Utterly. Well, and Sinbad sort of comes into this movie because they're waiting in line together and they sort of uh, commiserate over the fact that they're both waiting in line for the stupid doll outside of the store. And they both waited till the last minute. Yeah. Now, Sinbad then goes like full weird conspiracy theorist saying that it's a bunch of uh, globalist toy uh, cabal that's trying to, you know, indoctrinate the world with the toyeticism and everybody kind of looks at him like he's nuts. And it... Around this time, he suggests to Arnold that the two of them work together to try and pin down a Turbo Man doll. And and Arnold's like, no, it's all right. I don't need your help. But I don't think he, he was being super like rude about it Mm-mm. so much as he... Uh, he just honestly wants to do it on his own. I think he... Like, for him, it's his hero's journey. And he sort of just... It's sort of cathartic for him to sort of try and make amends by doing it himself. But Sinbad doesn't take it that way. And this begins the feud that they then have throughout the movie where they trip each other up and push each other and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And and they mistreat each other at every turn throughout the movie to the point where Sinbad uh, loses his mind. Yeah. Uh, He kidnaps a a play actor in the the parade. He attacks uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character... He assaults and essentially attempts to murder his son for a toy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he full-on loses it. And he eventually gets arrested. Uh, You also have... So you have the plot of Arnold trying to get... Howard trying to get the Turbo Man doll. You have the subplot of Ted scheming on uh, Howard's wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And the whole, it's it sort of, it's set up as like a Ted is the ideal father because he's always there to help. He makes time for his kid. He's able to provide. He got the Turbo Man doll weeks ago. His son even tells Jamie in this movie that, oh, maybe your uh, parents should get divorced because that's when my dad became a good dad. He wasn't like this before, but now, uh, now that it's just the two of us, now he is. And I was thinking that he's only doing it to get ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. He's, he's getting that soccer mom booty. I Yeah. I. It's sort of set up to make it look like um, Before you know he's a scumbag, it makes it seem like he's, he's the guy that is the ideal. In the very, very first part, he just sort of seems like that. He's just like an overly, sort of that overly helpful person that you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's cool, but seriously, Always go. smiling and happy for yeah. no reason. You're like, seriously, just fuck off for a little bit, okay? Because your, your, your obnoxious, like, optimism is really pissing me off. And you have... You have a weird dynamic where Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, you know, is all that is man and is a super successful guy, is compared to this other guy who you don't really know what he does, but you've he's seen as being lesser than Phil Hartman's character. Yeah. And at one point, Arnold tries to, to break into Howard's home and steal his kid's toy from under the tree. Yes. And he gets caught. And and it's kind of a big thing. And Phil Hartman's character says to Ted, you can't bench press your way out of this one. Which is a sort of play on the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger is this big guy. 
and being this big macho good looking guy isn't going to get you anywhere you actually have to be like a good dad you can't just get away with your looks by after breaking into my home and nearly setting it on fire and destroying it to steal my kid's christmas present so their their relationship is is sort of interesting but i i did find it sort of funny that when howard when ted finally comes on to liz she smacks him in the face with a hot thermos full of eggnog and then the the parade happens and arnold schwarzenegger's turbo man and he's got the He's got the rocket pack and all of this stuff. And the big reveal happens and Arnold Schwarzenegger is Turbo Man. And the next door neighbor kid goes, Dad, Howard's Turbo Man. And Phil Hartman's character is like, come on, let's get out of here. Like all terrified. Yeah. Uh, Because I think now it's like, well, one, the dad is Turbo Man, has a rocket pack. And two, his wife's going to tell him that I essentially attempted to sexually assault her in, yeah. in my van. No, I, I love it too because when when he when he tries to do that in the van, he he basically tries to grab her and make out with her. <laughs> she smacks him with the thermos, and so he's just covered in in eggnog, and his glasses are like broken. And he's sitting in the car, and he goes, "Wow, that didn't exactly go as well as I'd hoped." <laughs> I guess he's just I guess he's just used to like. Just being able to throw away trim, you know, he's used to he's used to women not saying you no to him. Trim, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's like, a term I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. <laughs> but We're like, old. Yeah. But Peter, that, I'm old. <laughs> but the, like, ultimately, it's this is what I and and this is why I don't think the 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 there's some funny things that happen throughout the movie. He gets into a fight with a bunch of Santas, which I thought was hilarious but also something that i didn't remember at all from the first time yeah, seen i didn't it. remember it at all There's, but it is funny the big show is in it yeah also. the he, big show the wrestler yeah he's he's this giant santa that he goes up against yeah and and there's like this underground ring of santa con men who who make have, shitty toys yeah, and sell them and that's why he goes there because they say that he can get the the santa from the mall that's jim belushi's character he's a can, mall santa can get him a a, a turbo man doll so they go there and and he ends up paying three hundred nineteen ninety six dollars three hundred nineteen ninety six dollars for a Turbo Man and then he presses the button and it and it speaks in Spanish speaks in Spanish and then it falls apart and then it falls apart and then that turns into a whole big brawl and everybody in this thing are all people dressed as Santa or Mrs Claus or an elf yeah and there's a barbershop routine I mean they sing barbershop it's just a really surreal scene. That goes on for maybe way too long. I don't know. I I didn't remember it at all, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was funny. So you, you've got like weird scenes like that, but ultimately what I saw this what I saw this movie as is sort of a it's sort of a modern telling of a Christmas carol, I feel like. Uh, yeah because yeah. you've got you've got a guy who, who only cares about work yeah because the movie opens up with the christmas party and he's sitting up in his office like running deals yeah and he all he cares about is work he's neglecting his family because of it he doesn't seem to have any other friends and throughout the course of the movie and by the end of the movie he realizes that like family is the most important thing and he's never gonna miss another thing and even Jamie realizes that because at the end he gets the toy and he gives it away to Sinbad to give to his kid because, quote, I already have Turbo Man at home. Yeah, like, he's my dad. My dad is Turbo Man. Why do I need a toy? And I don't know. 
Well, as I was watching this movie, all I could think about is that how rarely that type of toy craze happens anymore. Like when we... But it does, though, because you you asked me, you're like, you you were texting me as you were watching the movie this morning. Yeah, I was. And and you were like, there aren't toy crazes like this anymore. And then I think you had also mentioned something like that uh, people don't trample each other for toys and stuff anymore. And I was like... Black Black Friday. Well, see Black Friday, but there's but there's and a, Hatchimals was that was a big toy craze yeah, last there, year that a, everybody tried to get. There's a difference between I think like Black Friday when all that crazy crap happens because people are trying to get cheap things. They're trying to get like doorbusters that have a limited supply and they. But they didn't used to do those kind of Black Friday sales back then. Yeah, I mean they do they would do Black Friday sales, but I don't remember in the early mid nineties, you know people. Well, one, because the stores weren't open on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that you'd have Black Friday sales. But I don't remember hearing stories of people getting trampled to death in a Walmart parking lot or people getting stabbed or maced in a supermarket or in a in a super toy store or something or some whatever. But that's that kind of thing happens every year on Black Friday. Just look up Black Friday 2017, Black Friday 2016, whatever, and you'll find compilation videos of of people beating each other over low-end shitty television sets yeah what's crazy to me i don't do black friday at all i don't get it well the reason that i brought it up is i felt like i felt like these toy crazes were like things where you're you're sitting outside of a a store waiting for it to open because you need to get the, the hottest new toy i felt like a lot of that was negate or has been negated with the internet and and like occasionally you'll get one toy that everyone wants and and you have to go to the store because like the shipping is way out. Like they have they're back ordered, so you're not gonna right. get it until like Valentine's Day or something. But for the most part, I feel like people are shopping earlier and earlier, and especially with like Amazon and people who will like guarantee it the next day or or in two days or something. You have same day shipping from Amazon now. Yeah, that you wouldn't you don't necessarily have these like yeah, they had the Hatchimal things from from last year. But man, I you know when that thing happened, I didn't remember. I I couldn't remember like where that came from. Like to me, it came out of nowhere. Like how did all these kids yeah. know about this thing? And then I had looked it up before uh, earlier today. You know, like toy toy crazes around the holiday yeah. season. You had Tamagotchis. You had Pogs in like the mid nineties. You had uh, uh, Beanie Babies. You had. Uh, GI, not GI Joes. You had Cabbage Patch. That's the one a lot of people remember. Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, you had GoBots were another big one. Yeah. And you were looking it up, and and it turns out that there's been toy crazes going way back. Yeah, all the so way that, back to like 1903 when the big toy craze was an electric train, and the 1920s when it was uh like a, a wagon. Yeah, and then later it was Monopoly, Monopoly and then Silly Putty, and in so the I 50s, mean, fifties hula hoops. It is troll a dolls. thing that we've been having them, you know, consistently for a hundred over a hundred years. Yeah, and the big one in the seventies, the Star Wars action figures. Yeah, those were huge. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember those. I the thing is, is I on the one hand, yeah, we now live in a time where if you don't want to have to go to the store to buy something, you don't, you don't. have to. I buy everything on Amazon. Everything. I do too. I, to be honest, I mean, I have Amazon Prime, I have free shipping, and, and I hate shopping. And so if I can buy it online, I'll just buy it online. And to be fair, I, 
I also don't want to drive all the way down to the store just to find out that they're out. I don't want to waste my time going someplace only to find out that they don't even have what I want in the first place. Yeah. The, the, so I'll call the store. I'll check their online website, see if they have it. And if they do, yeah, sure, I'll go buy it because I don't want to wait three or four or days you, for you shipping. Bu- you buy it online and then you just go pick it up in the store. Uh-huh. Right. But you just buy it online. Yeah. So Th- this movie to me is like a really – it sort of encapsulates that 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 feeling – that was, I guess, pretty prominent in the '90s because there was a lot of those things. There were a lot of there's like, a lot of toy crazes in the, in the 90s. '90s. Yeah, Furbies, hat, well, not Hatchimals, but Furbies and Tamagotchi. Tickle me Elmo. Tickle me Elmo was yeah. a big one. Yeah, that, that one was huge. People were getting crazy over that one. Yeah, but the, I, like that type of thing. The the latest one that I can compare it to was when Nintendo put out the NES Classic. Yeah, that was SNS. the one I messaged you. I yeah. was like, yeah, this happened. But but that was more. That wasn't so much people trampling each other for it it was people all scrambling online to order one yeah and it wasn't it wasn't like people slamming up against store windows at like gamestop and walmart and stuff trying yeah. to buy one so i like i it's like just that the, the the way that we that we consume consumeristic goods mm-hmm. has changed so you don't have to go press up against the glass and get laughed at and fight for a toy on Christmas Eve. Yeah. You don't have to do those sort of things anymore because you can just go to Amazon and order it via Prime and it's at your house in three days. If you really wanted it, if you're concerned, she like if this movie, if the if the plot of, hey, can you get a Turbo Man doll like was today, as soon as she asked him, which she would have probably texted him, yeah. right? He would have gone to, been like, oh, okay, boom, open up the Amazon app on his phone. And order one. One touch order a Turbo Man doll. And it's there like the next day. And it's there within a couple of days. Like, that that would be the way that it would take place now, and it would never happen. Hell, even the mailman. Because, Because he could sit there while he's on his lunch with his phone... And boom, 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 order a Turbo Man over Amazon. I know, I did. Like, that's, and that's what, as a former delivery guy who spent the, like, entire month of December working 50 and 60 hour weeks. Oh, that was back when you worked for the, uh, for the delivery del- company. Yeah. Th- that, that that's, that's what I would do, is I would either, during the day, I would use my phone to, to order presents for people, or I would do it at the end of the day and I'd go on Amazon or I'd go wherever and I'd put all my orders in and then all the stuff would show up. Like I never went into a store to buy anything. Yeah, there's no point now. There's really, I mean, there's very few reasons to do it. You know what this reminds me of? Millennials are killing the brick and mortar stores. Oh, millennials are carrying, killing everything. Millennials so, are killing Applebee's because they, they learn how to reheat and microwave their own food. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. They, this is... Uh, so would the plot of this movie happen today? No. No. Definitely not. There's still consumeristic crazes, but it's it's different now. Yeah, this movie generated a sequel that had nothing to do with the first one. Oh, please. Starring don't. starring Larry the Cable Guy and please, some, for some reason please. put out by WWE like home video. It's well, the the other major the other main character in the movie is Santino Morella who I think uh, used to do uh, WWE also, but I don't, please listeners, don't, please my flesh bros, do not request, <laughs> do not request this movie. I do not want anything to do with it. Nothing, please. It's not part of my childhood. I'm not going to watch it. No, no. Uh, it, I, I'm not going to, I'm I'm just going to refuse. So um, ultimately, did you like it on a rewatch? Well, the thing is, the film had a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a cinema score from audiences gave it a 
B plus, a solid B plus. And I think that that's kind of a good way to look at it. This is not a critically acclaimed film. No. By any means. No. Some of the critical reception, though, or, or some of the critical reviews were more to do with what they felt was consumeristic, toyetic nonsense. Because... <laughs> which means that they just totally missed the point of the movie. Which means they to- totally missed the point of the movie. Yes, there were to- a limited edition set of Turbo Man toys to go with this movie, but they didn't have time to ramp up a whole toy line. They did it intentionally to point out the craziness of that process. Which means I don't think reviewers paid attention to this movie at all. No, they didn't. It's a fun movie. I enjoyed it still. I, I don't care. I like... It's not a great movie, and I don't care that it's not good. It's the way that I feel about the Santa Claus and Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> Those movies are not good at all, but they're fine, and they're fun. And, you know, like, Here, just watch it. Just watch it. There, there used to be, and not so much anymore, with, I guess, the advent, like, with how ubiquitous sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and all that are... There used to be a category of movie that were just called like popcorn flicks. Like they weren't particularly intelligent. They didn't necessarily have a super unique or good message. It could have a good message, but it didn't necessarily have to be a great movie. Oftentimes they weren't. There are a lot of action movies, a lot of sort of family movies. Yeah, it's a lot of family and action movies and they weren't quote good But you You would go to them and you would have a good time. Right. And I know that a lot of people in the movie industry are sort of blaming those sites like Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic and others for killing that that sort of genre of movie, the popcorn flick, the movie that you can just turn your brain off and and watch and sort of enjoy. Yeah. And that's what I categorize this movie as. This movie is a popcorn flick. The message is fairly banal. It's like... You should care more about your family than stuff. Like, okay, you know, that's not a unique message, but it's yeah. a good message nonetheless. Yeah. And a lot of crazy stuff happens. A lot of ridiculous stuff happens. A lot of funny stuff happens. This is a family movie where I, like, there's stuff for adults. Like, an adult is going to pick up on the fact yeah. that Ted is trying to sleep with everybody. Joy had never seen this movie before, by the way. we were So... We're not drinking during this episode because Sean and I got trashed yesterday at Korean barbecue. Yeah. Like real hard. Weird. And before we got trashed, we were talking about the fact that my wife had never seen this movie. And so when when I got up this morning, I said, hey, let's watch Jingle All the Way. So we, because I, you know, normally I like to do this. I like to watch several days out, but I couldn't today. Mm-hmm. So, or I couldn't this week. So we watched it this morning and I caught her genuinely laughing and chuckling at different parts. She had some of the same criticisms that we did. Like, why can't his family not recognize him in that stupid suit? Why, why is it that this super high-powered uh, back, you know, backpack rocket, essentially, uh, jetpack that he's wearing... I mean, this thing is, is very capable... Highly maneuverable... It's like, it's like a, a high-grade military weapon. Yeah, so... Why is it that it's being used in a children's parade in the Twin Cities at Christmas time and not being weaponized by the U.S. government? No explanation needed. Why? Why is it? Uh, why is it being used in a highly populated area when they talk about the the last guy who used it who had an accident? But it's okay because he's starting to verbalize, and that's a really good. No, sign. they said he's starting. Uh, the doctor said he's starting to show brain activity. Oh, brain activity, <laughs> and that's a very good sign. They're like. 
And yeah, so there's a lot of moments that are funny, and she thought that they were funny, but, uh, but I genuinely, it's not... I genuinely laughed at a lot of parts too. Yeah. And Kathy was, Kathy was in the, she was in the the other room while I was watching it, and she she was like, "So are you actually laughing at that movie, or are you laughing at how stupid it is?" I was like, "No, that was really funny. Like, there's a scene at the very yeah. end that made me laugh because it was so silly, where it's sort of, it's sort of." lays the it's at the end of the credits it's like they lay the the groundwork for a sequel yeah where where his wife tells him like wow you went through all this trouble just to get jamie a a a turbo man doll that makes me wonder what you got me and he does this like gag take at the at the camera where he looks at the camera and goes and the camera like zooms in on him and then it cuts to the it cuts to the credits yeah and like i was i busted up laughing just because of how ridiculous that was seeing Seeing essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger do a spit take, like, <laughs> well, and you know he did he did do a lot of improv work for this movie. Sinbad improvised almost all of his lines, and Arnold improvised a decent amount of them. One, there was a line you and I were talking about earlier, where Sinbad is talking about this toy that he didn't get when he was a kid. Yeah, that. Some seven-in-one pistol, and we're, we're, it turns out it's a real toy. You found the the, yeah. the commercial for it, and we're going to put a link to it in the description. If you yeah. want to go to the website, you can you can put it. You can watch this commercial from 1964 for a, a seven-in-one gun. It was probably one of those toy crazes, which is probably I don't know if it's something that Sinbad remembered himself or if it's something that the writers put in. I figured it was probably something that he put in because the way that they film that scene, it's a different take for each of the seven guns. I remember one Christmas, I wanted this one special toy, Johnny Seven OMA gun. Remember those, don't you? No. I still remember the commercial like it was yesterday. Two kids playing out in the backyard. Giant to Peter, Johnny to Peter. Enemy sighted, Roger there, open fire. And then Johnny would whip out his Johnny Seven OMA one-man army gun. Seven guns in one. Count them. One is a grenade launcher. Two is an anti-armor gun. Three is an anti-tank gun. I see you, buddy. Four is a rifle. Five is a Tommy gun. Six is an anti-aircraft gun. And just in case somebody survived, seven was a cat-firing pistol. <laughs> thing looked like a blast. Yeah. It felt very much like something that he improvised and they cut and pasted together. Yeah. And that's what I thought it was, but apparently it's a real toy. I, yeah. I, I, it is weird to think about Arnold Schwarzenegger improvising anything, because um, he's not, you know, except for explosive devices in like a Conan or in like a Commando movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that <laughs> except for that, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't think improv comedy when I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I don't think much. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of that that kind of thing, but. He did do some here, and he had some genuine genuine laughs. Sinbad did too. You didn't like Sinbad's character nearly as much as I did, but I, I think... found I found him far less sympathetic than I think they were trying to make him because he doesn't do anything sympathetic in it. To me, he, all he does is he he flips out at the beginning when Schwarzenegger or when Howard doesn't want to work with him, and then he literally spends the rest of the movie throwing roadblocks at Howard to. Keeping, and then nearly killing his son. And nearly killing his son. And he really doesn't get any redemption other than to say, well, what am I going to tell my son on Christmas morning? What am I going to say when I don't have that 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 Turbo Man doll? Because well, he has some bullshit story about his 
how his dad. I was gonna say that story also is a sort of redemption. Like it's supposed to make you feel something for his character. Yeah, like his dad never got him the toy that that seven in one toy that he wanted, and he like he never felt the same after that. And that just speaks to like more mental illness, I think, than anything else. Because I never got. Let me tell you about a Christmas that I had one year. And every time I tell people this story, they don't believe me at first. And I have to get my mom to corroborate the story for me. So one year when I was like seven, I was apparently a little shit the whole year. Or at least towards the end of it. And I woke up Christmas morning to a shiny rock. Literally like a big giant river rock under the tree that was wrapped in a red bow and had a note on it that said, To Sean from Santa, next year, try to behave. And I was devastated. <laughs> Absolutely. Knowing your mom, that sounds like something that she would have done. Absolutely devastated. I could, I cried for the entire day. I, and she told all my relatives, don't get him any presents. We're not getting him anything this year. But, and, and so I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing but a rock. And <laughs> that's rough. Did you keep the rock? I don't know what I did with the rock. I probably threw it through someone's window. But <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got a rock. <laughs> well, so the happy ending to this story is that my birthday is three weeks after Christmas. Right. Yeah. So I got all the presents I was supposed to get on Christmas then. But I had to sit and stew for three weeks knowing that I wasn't going to get anything. And my mom said that if I didn't behave that I probably wouldn't get anything for my birthday either. So I like I had to fly the... I had to fly the straight and narrow. But, like, it didn't devastate me. I didn't turn into some, like, horrific so- sociopath be- right. because I didn't get some toy that I wanted on Christmas. Like, that's a terrible... Like, that to me, that makes his, his character even less... Like, how shitty of a parent is he that he thinks that his entire, his entire like, parenting... Like crushes on yeah. a toy. It hinges on him getting his kid a toy. But you know what the, the thing love is, of his son is dependent on him getting a toy. It's for him. never just about the toy. It's the principle of it, right? Because Harold is kind of going through the same journey. He's obsessing about this toy when really he should just fess up and just deal. What he really, all his kid really wants is time spent with his dad. All his mm-hmm. wife wants is time spent with her husband. He's always at work. He's never home. He never shows up to stuff, even when he promises that he will. See, that's the thing. If you can't yeah. go, don't promise. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a dick move to promise and then not show up. You create issues of trust with it's, that kid. It's just like, you uh, know, it's just like Robin Williams character in Hook. Right. Exactly. He's exactly Robin Williams' character in Hook. That's the that exactly right. So it's not about the toy. The toy is the vehicle that is used to carry his deeper seated issues. Yeah. And I think Sinbad probably has the same thing because it sounds like it seems like he's he works a lot of crazy hours. He's borderline alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are things probably going on that make it not just about the toy. Yeah. You know? So my feeling is it's got to be something else. Yeah. But you I know? mean, to me, ultimately, he wasn't a sympathetic character. I was glad he got arrested at the end, especially. Well, given the... yeah, because he nearly killed a kid. And he shouldn't have got the toy, but the kid gave it to him anyway because he felt sorry for his son and whatever i did not like his character uh a lot of it too i think had to do with his improvisations because he was yelling a lot so he was kind of simbad's thing yeah he was just like no like all of his lines he would just like scream to whoever was listening and 
And we talked about this in the car, how sometimes you have to pull the reins back from your from your talent, from your acting talent. If yeah. you've written a movie and they just want to improvise everything, it happened in the star or it happened in the uh, the Ghostbusters, the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, where they just you know you let them ad lib a whole bunch of stuff, and you know you don't why write a script if you're gonna if you're gonna have your characters ad lib unless the whole point is ad lib like. If you if you're talking about ad lib, you know, look at uh, Waiting for Guffman or mm-hmm. or Best in Show. Those movies are they're built majority. around that. they're built around some really brilliant actors and their ability to ad lib. Well, that's I the mean, thing is that's you better, the thing for those movies. You better have you better have a cast that can do that. Yeah, and I don't know if Sinbad is that guy. I definitely don't know if. If uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is. is that guy, it's kind of fun when she, once you find that out because I had no idea. I just thought it was the way that the movie was written. Yeah, up until now, but now it makes a lot more sense now that I know that. I mean, at the end of the day, the kids will like this movie too. Eleanor loved this movie. She oh, thought it was I, hilarious. I she, she thought it was so funny. She thought the Santa Claus fight scene was hilarious. She, I mean, she loved this movie. She'd get up and dance with all the music. She liked all the music. It's a good movie for... It's a definitely a good family movie. So if you've got kids in the, you know, 15 and under age range, this movie will be totally fine to watch. If you're just by yourself, maybe you're, you're without kids and you just want to watch it, it's fun too. I think it's a totally harmless holiday film to watch. Now, by the time that you're listening to this episode, Christmas has already passed. So, but it's still the holiday but season. But it's still the holiday season. So until the 31st, you know, it can keep those lights up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sort of of the same opinion. This movie is innocuous, but it's fun. Like, yeah. there's nothing bad about this movie per se. There's, there's a I couple... I don't really have rose-colored glasses. Yeah, really there's a couple for, CGI but... scenes where he's flying in the, he's flying in the, uh, the suit that are a little bit ridiculous. But those just made me laugh because they were funny. The, the things that happen to him are funny. Like he smashes right. into a wall and then he like yeah, at every gets one wrapped of those around things, a pole. At every single one of those things, Joe was like, he'd be dead. He'd be dead. He'd be dead. And he'd be dead there. At yeah. every single one. And it's true. It's like a cartoon violence in this movie. You know, yeah. so. Put all, it on for your kids. All Watch in all, I, I'd recommend it. I would, I would too. So we're going to be starting a new year here and we have a very... Well, we have a lot of requests that we've sort of let build up that that we're going to get started with starting in the new year. I, I'd say the first couple of months are going to be all listener requests. So we'll we'll get started on those, and then we got we have some kind of a fun idea going to start in March, I think, March or April. We, we an idea, a, a category that we have yet to cover oh, that yeah. that could be kind of fun. So that was also actually a listener request. And so we, we may kind of start there. So actually, no, it wasn't a list of requests. That one that I'm talking about was a request from some people within our network with ACPN. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, so, so we'll, I think uh, that'll do it for us this week. Yeah. So if you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howard for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. And from all of us at Childhood Remastered, from our family to yours, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We hope your holidays were amazing and the new year is 
a positive one for you. And until next time, we will see you next time. Put that cookie down now!